IBA Talk, the Insurance Business America podcast. This episode is presented in partnership with CyberScout. From costly financial fraud and email scams to increasingly significant data privacy concerns, many organizations are suffering from cyber insecurity. In this episode, we're joined by Matt Kalina, Managing Director of Global Markets with CyberScout, as he sits down with IBA to discuss the key role insurance is playing in providing personal cyber, data, and privacy protection. Hello, welcome to IBA Talk, the Insurance Business America podcast. I'm Bethan Moorcraft, Deputy Editor at Insurance Business. And in this episode, I'm going to look at the emerging market in personal cyber insurance with the help of Matt Kalina, Managing Director of Global Markets at CyberScout. Now, cybersecurity refers to so many issues these days that it's hard to keep track, whether it's financial fraud, email scams, or data privacy concerns, we're all suffering from some sort of cyber insecurity. Fortunately, insurers are getting wise to the needs of their policyholders, and they're starting to offer more extensive personal protection services to their homeowners. Over the next 20 minutes or so, Matt is going to explain how insurance is playing a key role in providing personal cyber data and privacy protection Matt, welcome to IBA Talk. Thank you so much, Bethann. Glad to be here. Let's start off with the basics and define personal cyber risk. I think more people understand commercial because we read about these big company hacks and data breaches in the news, but it's harder to understand the exposure on a personal level. Matt, what are some of the key cyber risks that consumers face at home and in their non-work lives? Sure. Um, Well, you know, what it comes down to is it starts off with our exposure, right? So uh, more and more consumers, people are spending more and more time online, on their phones, in front of their computers. Um, Really, an average of over nine hours per day is spent in front of a device. And so just that alone creates uh, kind of the, the playing field for this type of exposure. Uh, But then when you peel it back and start really digging into kind of cyber-related risk for the average person, um, it runs a gamut from traditional kind of identity theft and fraud risks. So people are trying to access your credentials in order to monetize those credentials um, for their own well-being. Um, And so kind of traditionally, these risks have started off with kind of identity theft and fraud. Um, but more and more, because of our, you know, being so much out there in the world of, of the Internet and cyber, um, these risks are, are becoming more and more targeted events where um, hackers are actually trying to go after you as an individual for your credentials, for who you associate with, for where do you do business, for your employee credentials. Um, and they're trying all sorts of ways to get at that information. And so... Really, they're doing it through social engineering scams, which are, you know, simple prompts that, you know, are trying to catch you when your guard is down. So they could be, you know, a site impersonating your bank and asking you to click on a link um, to provide some credentials. And then that information that you're typing in goes to the hacker. Or it could be you click on a picture or open up something because you're curious And lo and behold, um, you know, that hacker is now gaining access to your keystrokes and trying to find a way into your computer from there. Once in in your system, once beyond behind your firewalls, um, they can not just access, you know, your credentials. um, They can also access your accounts. You know, most of the time, 
especially on our phones. We have open accounts for pretty much everywhere we do business. And and now, uh, you know, in the world of COVID and quarantine, more and more we're we're spending our time online doing most of our shopping. And, and all of that creates these exposure points. Um, beyond that, there's, you know, those are kind of monetary risks and they also include electronic wire transfer fraud for more sophisticated risks. So for example, we handle cases today for, we just had one last week for someone buying a home and um, somebody was impersonating their mortgage um, lender and uh, there was an exchange and monetary exchange with that provider. And lo and behold, it wasn't their provider. It was somebody impersonating their provider. Um, and so they wired $17,000 um, mistakenly. Um, there's also reputational risks. So there's privacy risks and there's risks about um, cyberbullying is a real common threat uh, in a family or household today. And so families more and more are being impacted online with people either impersonating themselves or a family member or somebody trying to do harm, you know, in a cyberbullying event to a child. Um, in all of those cases, it, it goes beyond that kind of monetary exposure to something that, you know, really gets to, you know, personal privacy and reputation. That example you just gave about the mortgage provider, if that homeowner does not have personal cyber insurance, could they seek some form of compensation from the mortgage provider? Yeah, so so the way it works with uh, electronic wire transfer fraud is um, really you look at both sides of those the equation at both sides of that transaction to determine if the bank, the creditor, the mortgage company followed the right processes and procedures. Um, and if they did, then really that isn't considered identity theft or fraud. So in the U.S., you wouldn't be kind of protected by the identity theft laws that are out there. It really just becomes a mistake that proves to be a very costly mistake um, if you find yourself you know, susceptible to it. So when we're working with families and people that are going through those crises, we investigate the whole transaction, what went down, did they authenticate on both ends of that transaction appropriately or not? And if they did, sometimes it's just simply a matter of the person was duped um, and it was a, a total fraud. And um, without cyber insurance and com in, the, in particular computer crime coverage, um, you know, the person would be out of pocket. Mm, that's a, a challenge. With that in mind, how can consumers protect themselves with a personal cyber insurance policy? What coverage and, and what value-added services will they get? It is a combination of different coverages that get put into one policy form. And so it really covers various aspects of cyber risk for the household. And so first and foremost, as I already mentioned, there, there's identity theft, so coverage to pay for out-of-pocket expenses if you be, fall victim to an identity theft situation. Um, there's computer crime coverage that I just described that would help uh, you know, respond to those electronic wire transfer and other types of associated crime risks online. Um, there is cyberbullying coverage, so it provides um, uh, expenses for counseling and legal support for families that are going through that crisis. Um, there, is, there is even data breach coverage. So let's say you coach your kid's sports team and you have information on all of the other parents and children um, on the team and somehow your computer gets hacked and you have to now follow those notification laws and, and notify people from a privacy exposure standpoint. There's coverage for that. Um, and there's also system failure type coverages. So it, it's really a, a wide range of coverages 
um, that can be included in a personal cyber insurance policy, including cyber extortion, which is a really, really top form of hacking today that kind of seizes up your computer, encrypts it, and gives you a demand notice saying you need to pay this by X amount or X time or your data is going to be destroyed. Um, and so all of those coverages and risks um, could be a part of a personal cyber insurance product. Okay. Can they also add these products on an individual basis um, as endorsements or sort of riders onto their um, homeowner's insurance policy? And if so, sort of which option is best, adding it on or going with a personal cyber policy? No, great question. So, so really today, um, you know, the, the historical kind of component of this, these types of products, they started out with identity theft insurance. And so if, if you have home insurance or renter's insurance or even auto insurance, um, oftentimes you would have been offered identity theft insurance. And, and so identity theft, as I mentioned, is just one small component of a personal cyber insurance offering. So now, um, especially in the U.S. and in a growing number of countries, um, you know, a lot of insurers are now migrating their ID theft coverages over to personal cyber coverages. And um, so you can inquire to your home insurer and see if they have available endorsements, which would cover kind of these personal cyber risks. Um, there's a few products out there that are kind of standalone. You can buy a personal cyber insurance product separately. Um, but I think really the trend is moving towards whether, you know, whether it just be simply an add-on um, to a, a, tip, a product you already buy, like a home insurance product. What about the coverage people can get for things like financial crime and fraud through their credit cards? So again, what would be the benefit of having a personal cyber policy or some sort of personal cyber coverage as opposed to having to claim through uh, their credit card? Yeah, really, you know, that's kind of all about reading the fine print in, in those uh, those banking and credit agreements. Um, there really is a very specific amount of support that's provided in those coverages that are tied into that specific card and exposures that surround it. Whereas personal cyber attaches to a family or a person. And so any risk under the sun um, that, that has to do with cyber, if there is coverage, applies. So it's not about one financial institution. It, it really tracks to the person. So for example, what we find is that once people have been hacked or victimized in online or cyber crime, um, they tend to be uh, have reoccurrences to that. Um, and once that somebody has your personal or sensitive information, you know, they're not going to stop on opening up one account or, or accessing, um, you know, one financial account that you have, they're going to try to monetize as much as possible. And so really that broad, broader exposure would be covered under a personal cyber insurance product versus a, an agreement add-on to a, a card or a bank relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Now, now one of the things, um, you know, with personal cyber, as we've both discussed over the last 10, 15 minutes, we all have personal cyber exposure, um, but these products are still fairly new. It's an emerging marketplace uh, in the insurance industry. Um, who is buying cy personal cyber products and personal cyber coverage right now? What does the marketplace kind of look like and where is it headed? Well, as is very common in, in all types of insurance, but especially personal lines or, or private lines insurance, um, what, what tends to happen is um, insurers that cater to high net worth individuals um, tend to um, offer new coverages first. Um, those policies are very broad and they cover a range of things and also include 
a whole lot of services with the product. And so personal cyber is no different. Um, we're first seeing it amongst you know, high net worth insurers. And usually what happens within a year or two's time, a standard home insurance provider will start to adopt those similar coverages and services. Um, and so one thing I haven't mentioned so far is all of these coverages don't just come with kind of monetary reimbursement. They come with a whole host of expert services, education and tools to help give a family or head of household kind of a leg up on these risks and provide um, crisis support when things do go wrong. And so it, it's great to have the coverages, but even more important to have experts that you can tap into, um, you know, becomes really paramount when you're in that crisis mode. I'm sure it does. I mean, can you perhaps expand on, on some of those services? Um, what are sort of the guaranteed things that would come with a, a cyber policy, for example? Well, first and foremost, um, expert crisis management. So access to crisis managers that um, have handled, you know, case upon case uh, in the cyber risk world that can step in and provide guidance, listen to your story, understand the concern or the risk. Sometimes it could be proactive. It could be just questions. And so it's a helpline type support to help you avoid a crisis. But when you're in crisis mo mode, it's a combination of fraud experts uh, with information security and forensic expertise, uh, as well as just crisis management experts. So delivering that kind of empathetic support. Um, to really handhold you and walk you through step-by-step -step resolution. What we find in these incidents is, is really like a person may know how to fix one or two things, or they may have an idea around how uh, one aspect of the, of the risk happened, but usually they don't have a broad perspective on what really went down. And what that usually means is they may try to fix one thing and it, it tends to broaden out into many more. Um, and so having that expert by your side is super important. Um, what we find is nine times out of 10, we're able to really service that person fully, get them back on their feet, um, you know, respond to that ransomware attack, for example, and get their systems back and running um, without even having um, to, to take additional steps. Okay, so as more standard homeowners insurance carriers start to offer personal cyber solutions, uh, more onus is going to be placed on insurance brokers and agents to sell it and advise around it. So, Matt, do you have any tips for agents and brokers around addressing personal cyber risk and potentially cross-selling this product to their clients? Yeah, I think just what you started off this conversation with around it, it's never going to happen to me, that kind of mindset that I, I'm not going to take much precaution, but uh, I, you know, I'm not going to have anything negative happen. I think that's the normal kind of positive thinking person. Um, and I think, you know, agents play a really critical part on the education side of things and, and risk awareness. We all have cyber risk. It's ubiquitous risk. Um, each and every one of us from children up to adults and beyond um, have this risk. And so really trying to personalize that for your clients, for your customers, talking about kind of common news that's happening today and the risks that are emerging, whether it be a big hack or a new strains of ransomware. Um, really trying to be students of the game because a lot of what they're learning around commercial cyber risk and selling those policies, they can then translate to a personal or household risk. And, you know, all of us can can agree that, you know, our homes and our devices in our homes are becoming smarter and smarter and, and more connected. And so that alone could be a conversation starter around these types of products. Uh, and then you move into kind of COVID-related risks where there's a kind of a commingling of commercial or business risk with your home computer usage um, and kind of device usage at home. 
and, and that intersection is becoming more and more of a conversation piece um, when it comes to making sure that, you know, your customers really know the full landscape of the risk and, and know what products are there to solve for that. That, that co-mingling, um, that is certainly a hot topic at the moment. Can you explain to me a bit about how that might work? So, you know, if I'm working from home and I engage in, in a personal activity, say I, I buy something on my work laptop, but it was for personal reasons, um, and then something happens as a breach or a hack, and, you know, that is a, a co-mingling of the risk. How does that work from a cyber claim perspective? Well, it, it definitely differs by insurance company. And, and um, as I said earlier, really, most of these offerings come with services first, right? And so the services aren't really tied into the insurance. They're extra to the insurance. And so normally for these types of products, you're always going to get expert assistance no matter what occurred or how it happened or whether it you know, was from a work computer or home devices and using for business use or vice versa. Um, and so, so really it starts out with getting that expert support. Um, and then when you, when you dive into kind of any remediation or paying out of, of claims, it really is going to be specific to that policy, whether it's broad enough to actually have a claims payout if, if it was a business use on a personal lines policy, for example. So there's obviously lots of exciting stuff going on. Uh, so at CyberScout, what's your play with personal cyber insurance products and solutions? And where do you see the market headed? Yeah, totally. So, you know, uh, our home base is, is definitely in the United States. That's, uh, you know, where we started. Um, but we've been doing more and more business um, in other countries around the world and working with insurers um, all over the globe, really, on every continent. And what we're finding is personal cyber insurance and the insurance company's interest in developing personal cyber solutions is their top new product research item. So it's becoming a real hot product internationally. And so most of our launches these days outside of the United States involve personal cyber launches. Um, in the United States, uh, it's a bit, they're a bit behind. The insurers are a little bit behind um, other countries that we're seeing around these types of rollouts. And I think a big dose of that has to do with the fact that um, an, an average home insurance company in the United States may have identity theft coverages already involved in their home insurance product. And so now they have to kind of convert that identity theft coverage to personal cyber. And so that's where CyberScout comes in. We're actually working with insurers across the U.S. and Canada even. And we're kind of showing them how they could take that coverage and broaden it out, add additional coverage components to make it a true blue personal cyber offering and make that kind of relevant for their customers. And you'll be seeing into next year, you'll be seeing a lot of large insurers and regional insurers launching personal cyber um, coverages. And so because the market is driven by independent agents, um, usually what happens is once a few insurers start to launch, um, then uh, the others want to catch up quickly because they want to be competitive in the market with new product offerings. Great. It sounds like there's lots of things for the market to look forward to. Uh, Matt, thank you very much for sharing your insights with IBA Talk. That was a really great chat. Um, thanks also to our listeners for tuning in. You can find more episodes via the IB Talk link on our website. Thank you for listening to this episode of IBA Talk. For more from Matt and the team at CyberScout, visit them at cyberscout.com. That's cyberscout.com for more cyber insurance solutions. Follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for the latest episodes.